In a world full of distractions, there is one big question on every dog owner's lips. How do I become more than just the person holding the other end of the leash? We all get dogs of a dream in mind, a vision of the future. And if right now your everyday reality isn't quite that picture you had in mind, you are in the right place. It really doesn't have to be this way. You absolutely can and will be more to your dog than just the person who gets in between them and the world. The key is you need to be more sexy. More sexy than the neighbourhood cats. More sexy than the jogger in the park. More sexy than that half-eaten hamburger they just found on the floor. And yes, even more sexy than the dog across the road. I'm Tom. And I'm Lauren. Together Together we're we're Absolute Dogs. Dogs. And you're listening to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast. Hello and welcome to the Sexy and the Squirrel podcast, the podcast that gives you real life dog training and sometimes human training results too. Today I'm joined by the wonderful Zach George. It's a really special edition and this guest I feel needs no introduction because you really are a global sensation, certainly an influence when I was coming into, I suppose, the dog training revolution that we're into now. And you're a renowned international dog trainer. You've got a massive following, not only on YouTube, but really everywhere online. And I know that many of our listeners have been really, really excited uh, to hear from you, to get us together, to make sure that we get to chat. So I am probably one of those followers too, Zach. So you know what, I've grown up and um, and Matt said, you can't say you've grown up because you're a similar age to Zach, probably. But you know what he said, I could could say that I've, I've always enjoyed um watching your frisbee content and seeing you have great fun with your dog so welcome welcome. yeah thank you how long have you been with me on youtube out of curiosity can you remember yes i would guess that when i was growing into sort of sports dog training with my young dog at the time she was bella um border collie and my first border collie um you've got to be talking like i would guess Without doing research on, on on how long you've been doing it, I would guess 25 years, 20, 20 plus years. So wow. I don't know how long, I don't know how long you've been you've been doing it, right? So I would guess she she's she's like a long time gone. So so I would say 20, 20 plus years. Oh wow. So that's how long you've been doing agility training, is what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, I've been on YouTube for like 17 years, I think, since yeah, 2006. I would say right from the start. I would say right from the beginning. Wow. I've, we've, oh we've, gosh. So you've seen some of my cringiest content absolutely. out there. But it wasn't cringy. It wasn't cringy at the time. Like, you know what? We were growing into it. And so Bella Bella and I started Agility. Yeah. I mean, we're talking we're talking as long as I've been doing Agility. So um, I started Agility coming out of my degrees. So, yeah, 20, 20 plus years. So I would say right from the start, Zach, we've seen what you're doing. I, I mean, I remember loads of Frisbee content. I remember loads of energy, loads of fun. I think the thing that that's the thing that always gets me with with what we do. And that's you and, and us for sure. The energy is there, right? Like there's cool energy. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It, yeah, when you're doing dog sports, I mean, you have no choice but to have the energy there. It's I agree. And so how did your dog training journey begin? Like, where did it start? Where did it begin? I mean, I know you with collies and frisbees. That was always my sort of uh, visual. If I was to think Zach George, I think collies and frisbees. Like, you Awesome. Tell- yeah. I like that image. I wish more people thought of that. That's true. Yeah. Competitive dog sports are, that's how I got into it, uh, doing dog frisbee, basically. Uh, I got a border collie on you know, with a little bit of thought, probably could have put, should have put a little bit more thought into it. But my dog Venus is the dog that really opened up the dog training world to me. I started doing Frisbee dog competitions and it awakened this love of teaching dogs that I didn't even know I had. Cause you know, I didn't grow up in a dog training family or anything like that. Like many people, I just, 
I, I found a, a real spark when I started teaching dogs. And I think one of the things that really made me so interested in training dogs was the ability to play with them and to see what that could lead to. Uh, like, I mean, positive reinforcement on steroids when you have a, a drivey dog, a dog that loves to play, there's just nothing you can't teach them, you know? And I think that's one of the reasons these days we see where a lot of the positive reinforcement training community is a bit frustrated to see these high drive dogs have electric collars put on them and things like that, because we know that that's the dream for a positive reinforcement trainer. We love those high drive dogs. And um, yeah, that's how I got into it. And then I had to figure out how to make a living. So I went and got a job training dogs at a local pet smart. This is 20 years ago now, just about 20 years ago. Uh, so I could pay my bills and work from there, work there for a short period of time. I don't know, a year or two, a couple of years, maybe. Then went on the road traveling and performing with my dogs, really wow. trying to learn everything I could the entire way. And uh, yeah, here we are. I just continue to become a, I, I continue to be a major dog training nerd. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And how lucky and how privileged are we, right? Like we are, I think, super privileged to be able to get to do this. So which dogs do you currently spend your life with? And can you tell us about any of your special dogs like throughout the time? Like what, what are your, what are your sort of, um, who, who's with you right now and, and who's been with you? Well, right now we've got two dogs. I've got my dog Inertia, uh, whom I've been very transparent uh, about training since she was a puppy. She's a Border Collie. Uh, she's been a unique experience like every dog is. We, our newest dog is a rescue dog, Veronica. She's uh, just about a year old now. And we got her from, we adopted her from Mexico. And she's doing phenomenal as well. So just two dogs right now. I've always had kind of a small number of dogs for a dog trainer, I feel like, especially sports dog trainer. What mix is she? Because she looks super cute. Like I've seen lots on her, um, you and Brie, uh, having loads of fun with her. What what mix? Uh, her primary, we did a DNA test on her and she's a poochycock. So <laughs> she's primarily a poodle, then chihuahua, uh, then cocker spaniel. And there's wow. some some more after that, but those are her top three breeds. What a mix. What a mix. And so favorite breeds? Do you have any favorite breeds? Most trainable dogs or? <laughs> I mean, look, I, yeah, I can't deny that I have a clear bias towards Border Collies, but I wonder if that's more to do with nostalgia and just a bias more than it is. Because I mean, you know, you, I, I'm sure you have two I've worked with so many different dogs of so many different breeds and backgrounds, and I just fall in love with every one of them. You know, we uh, we do a foster dog series, reality dog training, uh, where we've worked with so many dogs, so many mixed breeds. And I, I'm really just a fan of judging the individual dog where possible. But yeah, personally, I have gravitated towards Border Collies, but I think there's probably a bias at play there that might be overstated. I did love the staffy, one of the staffies you were working with. Now that was a, mm -hmm. there was a really, if there was a dog that I think, wow, what a dog, like that was a nice dog. Thank you. I think you must be talking about George. Yes, George. Yeah, yeah, George is doing great. Cool dog. Very, very cool dog. So I suppose looking back, can you see the one moment when you decided actually this is what I want to spend my life doing? Like what made that the moment for you? That's a great question. Is there a single moment? I mean, nothing... Nothing gets you excited like winning. <laughs> so when you're winning, when you know, winning a, a competition uh, really put a fire under me because I, I won my first three dog competitions first place, you know, and to me, it was like I felt like, OK, this is something my dog is very talented and I could learn more. And I have this opportunity that I'm working with so many dogs. So I really feel like just being successful in the competition circuit is kind of what 
sparked it. And then as YouTube came around in 2006 to present, I saw the power of being able to, in my eyes, positively affect the world and and show them modern dog training methods to the best of my ability. Um, you know, I think that's been a, a big part of our story too. For sure. And and I love that you're putting that out there. I love that that is um, sometimes as controversial or as difficult as it might be. I love that. Um, yeah, you're definitely putting that message out there. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> now, I suppose um, motivation, like that's a massive thing for me. Like what motivates me to get up and, and do my work in the morning? Like what's my purpose? What's my passion? And just like you said, I absolutely am someone that winning, there's nothing like winning. There's nothing like the feeling, the adrenaline. Um, I obviously compete in with my very, very high drive uh, dogs. <laughs> had to show him Perfect. that, lying uh, on his back. Um, I, I have to say, like, that is the best feeling. And like, you won it over and over. I've won at big events and crafts and, and huge events. Like Olympia here is a big event, 15,000 people. So we've won in big, big events. But actually, it's not that that gets you out of bed every morning, right? Like, what gets you out of bed every morning? What gets you motivated? What makes you, like, really tick? What makes, like, what says, Zach George, this is what I do, and this is why I do it? Poking the world, really trying to see what type of difference that my wife and I can make. I mean, it's not just me. My wife and I are a team, as you know, Brianna. My whole audience knows Brianna and everything. But we really are obsessed with using our privilege, using this unique opportunity to try and shed light on modern scientific methods with dog training. Because right now, I mean, we've seen a resurgence of of a lot of outdated methods coming back on social media. And I, I haven't seen anything quite like this ever on social media. And I'm not quite sure what's behind it, though I have Thanks. some ideas. But that is our motivation these days are to really show people, look, you actually don't have to use pain and discomfort to teach dogs. You really don't. There are no known instances where we have to rely on that. And that's a hard concept, I think, for a lot of the public to swallow just, you know, based on culture and things like that. That's just how we look at things. And so trying to really be impactful in that discussion is our current obsession, really just trying to do our best to bring dog training into the 21st century. And what, what's changed there? Because I think, you know what, I, I mean, it's different where you are to where we are for sure, right? Like it, the, the, the culture is different, the dog training is different, and, and yet there are going to be similarities and, and definitely, um, yeah, like we, we align in lots of things. And actually, there are probably things that are different. But what's actually changed? Because I would say that here we see less and less and less aversive dog training. Um, and I think we see when I see when I hear what you're saying, I'm like, I'm really shocked that that's still a big thing. Or I'm really surprised that that is still what people are going to like it. It seems so far away from where we would go to. Yeah, I mean, gosh, I don't know why so much. I mean. There's the COVID hypothesis where shelters were emptied and everyone got a dog. And you have to wonder, did a lot of people become impatient or did their patients run out? And so, you know, there's a demand for outdated dog training me methods that work immediately. But of course, you and I know there are side effects with, with a lot of those dog training methods. And I have to wonder if that's a big part of it and why we're seeing it right now. Uh, I'm not sure, but... Yeah, I, I really we spent a lot of time thinking about this. I'm not I'm not quite quite sure why, but I do know that when I go on social media, it just it does seem to be on the increase. You know, it's it's anecdotal from my perspective, but um, it is weird. I know. Are you in England? Yeah. Yeah. England. You are. Okay. And so, yeah, the, there's been big news over there with the electric collar band, too. Sure. How's that going over over there? Yeah. I mean, I think for us, it's 
it's alien to ever I mean I run a, a very large dog training school in England um in Devon it's it's so like we wouldn't see a choke chain a prong a shot collar a spray collar we just don't see them we just don't see wow. them can't buy them you can't see them like i i'm really shocked if i see anything like that like it's so far away from where we'd go and when i've been out in the us i haven't been out in the us since pre-covid but you would find things like you could see prongs in supermarkets which for me is just such a weird thing to see in a in a regular place like and it's cheap and so you i worry that that but 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 here you wouldn't see that and i would i would even say i wouldn't see a choke or a like just a choke chain not just but a choke chain or a or a um a typical even a half check like you don't tend to see them they're not they're not the norm here which is great right like that's that's definitely progress yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And hopefully we're we're going to follow behind that. But yeah, I, I wish I could say that about the United States. That is not true. You will see them everywhere. And I think that's maybe that explains why a bit of my international audience is like, why do you keep talking about this so much? Uh, because it's I mean, I, it's an epidemic here. Uh, honestly, it's really be it's gotten a lot of traction. And yeah, it's getting worse. My More producer wife is telling me it really is. It seems to be. More, more education, 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 education. I think when there's education and when, and that's cool because we've got US audience too. So now we know that we can do better, right? Like, so that's actually maybe something that we we keep putting out there because it's it's something that's, yeah, it, it, it could get. You have our support. <laughs> we appreciate it. Let's do it. So what does a typical day look like for you, Zach? Like what's a typical, like, how's it go? Well, it's, I mean, it depends, really. I, you know, I like to make sure that I have my own life because we do stay pretty busy trying to keep our social media up and our YouTube series going and everything. A typical day, uh, it really depends on what kind of project I'm working on. You know, am I working on a series for a new dog? Am I working on showing more advanced training with my own dogs? Uh, but a lot of it, a typical day will start off, okay, like, what are we going to teach this week? Or what's going to be our emphasis? And how are we going to communicate that message? And how are we going to do it in a way that inspires people to, you know, want to work with our dogs? So we try to do uh, our best to do that. And that takes a lot of mental energy to try and figure that out. And not to mention, I've got to maintain and train my own dogs every day. So we like to, like this morning, we did a five mile walk, uh, six miles, actually, this morning. Um Really, I, I like to start off the day with exercise with the dogs to get the energy out of them, make sure they're content, satisfied, so I can focus on things. And it's also quite fun to play fetch in the morning as well. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And six miles, just a six-mile walk straight off in the morning. And um, I suppose that, that leads to a really nice question, though. How do you get your work-life balance right? Because I know as a dog trainer and um, someone that's um, heavily involved in social media and and we have online courses and, and so many other things that actually you can become all consumed in it, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. And if, when I, if, if you ever figure out how to get that work-life balance, let me know because I don't have an answer. Um, it's, it can be, it, it be all-consuming, and it often is. Uh, we do try to be aware of it, though, and and try to make sure that we do things that are mentally healthy for us. We're about to take a RV trip to Alaska, for example, from New Orleans. So that'll be interesting and take about 30 days to do that. So things like that to try and find things outside of dog training that I also love very much. Like I'm a novice uh, geology enthusiast, for example. So um, it's it's pretty interesting to go learn about things like that, too. It sounds like you're doing a great job. And that's what we would we would sort of ask like of ourselves, like how do we refuel the tank or Alaska and uh, being a geologist in, in between being a dog trainer and like for me getting out in nature. I know it sounds crazy, but even just we have we have goats and we have sheep and we have chickens like I just would wow. get out and watch them even like just watching them is for me a real like 
fuel like for for what you're doing it just gives you a breather and i think nature is always good for that like you like you said your six mile walk right like that's another yeah. it's one of those balances isn't it do you have anything else you oh, do yeah anything that would say that again and anything else you would do for like refilling your tank or refueling your tank Oh, that's, I mean, I, I think exercise in nature are the main ways to go right now for getting into that, that like a beta state where you can just like really allow ideas to come to you and plot out your future and see the next steps that you want to take. Like the best ideas come to you when you're not trying to think of ideas, I think, you know, and, and that's my favorite mind, uh, headspace to be in. What's been one of your best ideas then out of everything you've done? And I, I can tell you ours as well, because it's cool to share these things. I'm more interested in yours. I mean, my obvious answer is deciding to make a YouTube account in September of 2006, because that's changed my life. I mean, if wow. I had to point to a single thing, uh, I mean, uh, to uh, marry my wife is what I meant to say. <laughs> of course, good. of course. That is definitely a good answer. Well done. That's <laughs> true. My wife saying she wouldn't have found me without YouTube. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, I think, I mean, for us, we COVID really um, started um, a whole like games-based revolution for us because everyone wanted to dog train from home. We started a, a program called Sex in a Squirrel, 25-day program. We started it in response to the fact that people were at home with their dogs and we felt, um, we actually felt, you know what, behind it, we just started a, a dog trainer course where we're teaching people positive reinforcement dog training and how to how to be a dog trainer. We convinced loads of people to leave their jobs and to be dog trainers and then bang, COVID hit. And COVID hit and we were like, dear Lord, what are we going to do now? Like we told all these people to leave their jobs and they're all dog trainers. How are they going to earn an income? So what we did was we we made this 25-day course. We let them, we gifted it to them and we let them sell it. So they could sell it to bring in income for themselves. Um, but actually it turned into a massive, massive, massive audience. Uh, it was a, like it was us giving to our dog trainers and the people that qualified through us. But actually we also sold it ourselves to Joe Public who, who are, are listening and it's become a huge um, energy space, loads of cool people. Um, I've never seen a dog training community like it where they're so supportive, they're so genuine, they so want to look after each other. There was Someone posted a prong collar today, actually, on, on the group. The, the group's probably about, I'd have to check, but I would guess it's in its 60,000, 70,000 strong. I, I'd need to look. Someone posted wow. a prong collar in the group the, the, they were asking about help for the dog and they posted a prong collar there is so much support for trying to help that owner without directing at the prong collar and still trying to educate and help but making it clear that's the wrong way to go and I've never seen such a beautiful community who want to grow look after share and celebrate and they are admining and looking after each other it's it's um the the, the challenge is called sexy than a squirrel um and that's it's the name of the podcast too and for us it was a bang covid hit and we want to do something for people and we want to do something so people can train from home and and i it was it was game changer for us in the sense that it just brought a community together and when you have an energy behind you it's a whole new it's just a new game you're playing a new game and that's amazing cool people that's great like, yeah really and and that's good i love to hear that too i like that you that the community is is trying to help people because that is kind of the thing that we have to be focused on, at least here in the United States, when we're trying to weed out aversives in, in our training to make sure that we're positive reinforcement trainers are very, very available to help in a, in a judgment free way to help people move past these outdated methods and everything. I, so I think that's awesome to hear. And and I, I, so, I so see it that if someone is using a prong or a shock or a, 
um, any type of aversive um, method, really, to have someone come straight in hard and judge them is not going to change things, right? Like that's not how how we change it. What we really need to do is 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 educate and show a different way that is still going to get great results, even better results. Um, and um, the the quick fix is the problem, right? Like people see the quick fix but don't see the fallout. And so what we want to do is do the 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 long term solution, um, and actually without any fallout. That's that's the goal. There it is. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. That's kind of why I'm. We've been so big with our dogs, really documenting their training. I mean, because they happen to live with us, so it's an easy thing to show how we teach them every little thing and to show that long-term success. Like, especially with my dog Inertia, who does have, you know, can be reactive at times or has been uh, more so in the past, not as much these days. Um, but really being transparent about that and showing, look, you don't have to come down hard on them to work through these issues. They're just dogs doing things that are natural to them and being able to understand what's natural behavior and how to curve that to coexist with us in our in our culture is really important. No, that's really cool. And 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 showing it is vulnerability, right? When you're showing it, you you have to be a bit vulnerable. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, that's what people say, I guess. I'm just more about teaching them the just being truthful with my audience. You know, actually, when I had a show in the UK, I did a children's TV show over there called Who Let the Dogs Out on Children's BBC. Cool. And one of the things I really enjoyed about that experience, it was my second TV show. And BBC, you know, they would have you go through like some basic courses and stuff on how they do things. And they were very clear on how things need to be presented. Honestly, you don't take things out of context on the show. And and unlike a lot of American reality TV, where you can just mix and match the, the stuff all however you want. And so just the true story is always much more interesting to me than anything you can dream up. So that's one of the things I really enjoy about being transparent about dog training with my audience, even if it makes me look a little not as good as it might sometimes, but you know, it's, they're going to be experiencing it. And that's, I think it's one of the reasons we've been successful is just being honest. Can't go wrong with that. For sure. I love that. No. And I think it's, I think people want to see real. I think that's probably people's favorite thing is when one of our dogs does something like, I don't know, jumping up or bouncing, or like you said, reacting, people don't know how to handle that. So actually I I think people want to see the, the raw. So If you think on, um, Zach, in terms of, I suppose, success stories, you've had loads of success stories. You've had loads of really um, great um, successes. What would be one of your like real memories of that was super successful? That was like, absolutely, that was it. That was me feeling like a great, a great dog trainer. I had a great week, a great day, a great result. Like, What would be one of your memorable success stories? Well, we talked about it earlier uh, in the podcast here. George the Pitbull really comes to mind as a, a a really interesting project for me. You know, I got very close to him. He was my first, well, I won't say, I guess he's not our first foster dog recently, but he was, yeah, he really touched me a lot. And it was really enjoyable teaching him. And he's in such a great home today. And because we took him straight out of the shelter, you know, just and made a commitment not to take him back to the shelter and to find him a good home. And I feel like that was a success, but you know, stories are always ongoing and everything. He did catch the double. <laughs> That's true. My wife he was saying he caught the double the disc. Double. He did. I saw that. That's when I saw it. I was like, Oh God, he's so lovely. Okay. And what a cool, yeah. again, the, the drive and the energy in a dog like that, like that is insane. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that, I mean, it goes to show you because, you know, uh, pit bull type dogs have such a, tough reputation and i thought it was a good opportunity to just show how these are dogs 
like any other. We have a thunderstorm going on here. Uh, hey, no bark. We should reinforce that. Uh, my mom. Oh, is she? <laughs> our puppy. Our puppy has a thunderstorm issue where she barks sometimes. You may have heard earlier, but yeah, she's doing good. All right. Um, yeah. No. He, he, I'm sorry, I was mid thought. He looked like an amazing, amazing dog. And and how did you actually let him go after all that? I think that was pretty emotional, right? It was. It was. Uh, I mean, it's. Gosh, if you kept every dog you had an opportunity to, you'd never be able to get anything done. I mean, I really, it's so important to me that the greater goal of being able to do series like that, uh, to do a series like that and to continue, I, I can't be weighed down by too many dogs and keep up my YouTube production and keep it as nimble as I'd like, I guess, is the short answer. But I would have loved to have kept him. He was a great dog. How long did you have him, Zach? I think we had him about three weeks or so. Is that right? Yeah, three weeks. He was a cool dog, really, really cool dog, really cool dog. And I thought your dogs did great. Well, um, your border collie and Ursher, I think it was. Um, she did great too, right? Like, is that not hard for them? Uh, not really. I mean, you know, you got to be methodical in how you introduce them. Not every dog needs to play with every dog, obviously. Um, like I had some reservations about Moira and we only had Mo- Moira as a German Shepherd dog that we did a series with. And I had some reservations about having them play together. I don't, and since I only had her two weeks, I didn't feel like rushing it. So I really do look on on a dog by dog basis. Do these dogs have similar play styles and things like that? And yeah, her and George did fantastic. They got along really well. Super cool. Super cool. So um, have you had any missed opportunities, any regrets, anything you think, oh, I wish I'd done that. Um, Or that was a moment that I just could have said something different, or I could have done something different. Any missed opportunities, any regrets? Such a hard question. I mean, yes, I'm sure they're countless, but I'm I'm having a hard time coming up with it with an example. Anything? Do you, I mean, yeah. I mean, I always wish that. What about him? Oh, I know. My Bree is Bree is talking about a dog we used to have called Alpha Centauri. I mean, you may remember him from YouTube. He was the youngest of my three border collies from my first generation. He's no longer with us, uh, but yeah, I mean, he. His potential probably wasn't as fully realized as it could have been. He was just one of those amazing gifted dogs. And, you know, when you get busy with life, you don't always have time to bring bring a dog to their full potential and everything. But he was probably the smartest dog I ever had. You know, um, really, really bright guy. Yeah, but, There's not always the hours, right? There's not always the time. The situation is not always right. And the amount of input versus where you are at the time is hard. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I'm sure there are plenty of other things I would do differently. Uh, you know, I mean, le- earlier in my career, I've never been, I wouldn't call myself like a crossover trainer. I've never been like a punishment trainer or anything like that. But I've been more aversive than I am today in the past. And, you know, unfortunately, experience is the thing and, and an open mind is what allows you to get past some of those things. So I know I've become less and less aversive as my career goes on. I think that's a story for many dog trainers who tend to stay in this for decades at a time. Well, um, sure. You know, you tend to evolve and realize, oh, well, actually, I don't have to do this or that. I can just do this or I don't have to even say no. And I can just call my dog and get them to stop what they're doing. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So and, and there are many instances like that where I wish I had that. I don't know, maturity or wisdom back then. So, yeah, no, that's it. That's a great one. I mean, I remember using not anything really horrific, but, but like the discs where you'd throw the discs on the floor that made a, a horrible noise and like they're just noise discs we would use like 20 years ago. So a dog would do mm-hmm. something, throw discs on the floor. 
it's definitely not something I'd ever consider use, using now. Like I would never consider picking something like that up or purchasing something. I don't even think you can buy them, right? Like they're just, I don't know, did you have those? Like, they were called training discs and you would throw them. I haven't, no. Up. That was one I mean, of the, I've heard the, you know, shaking a can of pennies or something like that I've heard of and things like that. Same thing, or, or it seems quite similar in that, you know, and, and the idea is if you can avoid having to put your dog in a startled state of mind to teach them, then we should do that. And obviously we now know how to do that. So, and that's, those are the lessons that I really try to articulate to my audience. When we, when we know better, we do better. Right. That's it. That's the mantra. Yep. Indeed. Um, it is, 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 and it is, which is why your education, your YouTube um, channel, um, our YouTube, our, our podcast, the same for you. Like it's, it's getting that education out there so that people know better. Yes. Yes. And I mean, I wouldn't be, I, I just need to like congratulate my, or, or thank my audience. I mean, I should thank my audience for it because I wouldn't be a tenth of the uh, the trainer that I am without them. I mean, there have been so many people from so many different communities who have taught me so much. You'd be you'd be surprised how much you can learn from a comment section of a YouTube video <laughs> over the years. You know, from a lot of really intelligent people. So, bringing my I'm I'm just really lucky in that regard to have so many people with so much knowledge be willing to take the time to teach me. You know, the interesting thing though I, th- I find about luck is um, the harder you work, the luckier you get. So I think you work pretty hard too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Both can be true. It's true. Yeah, you can be lucky and work hard. Yeah, I think uh, I think I think you work hard with it. So, um, would you say there are some typical things that you see with owners that they accidentally create a very punishing experience for a dog that we could easily find better solutions for? So, um, I, I'm thinking of a couple that I see typically, but it'd be interesting to see what you see. So, we we see a lot of things that the owners accidentally create a, a situation, a problem, a struggle that's so easily solved. Do you have anything like that, that you can relate to or give us a? Yeah, few- I, I think like the positive interrupter, right? Like where, cause like the average person is going, if their dog's getting on the table, the coffee table, the kitchen table or jumping on a gas, it's no stop. Right. And then and if we could just circumvent that, skip that step of no, come reinforce, you know, then we get a free recall and we stop the behavior all without having to do that muddy uh, in between stuff that, is it just doesn't really help anyone. It's not to say there's anything wrong with saying no. I certainly do from time to time with my own dogs, but like not having it be the emphasis of the training. You know what I mean? Uh, like people who don't train dogs, they, they default to no, no, no. And then quiet when their dog does is behaving acceptably. There's no acknowledgement of that. So that to me is kind of what the average uh, pet parent does out there with their dog. Um, and they have to learn. I'm sure I would have done the same, you know, had I not learned. I love this because we must be pretty aligned here because, and my team have put together some questions because they're great at that. And I, they know I'd go off on every tangent. They said, what are some alternatives to saying no? Is there ever a place for saying no? And I'm like, that is hilarious. That is the next question that leads on uh-huh. to the last one. I'm like, they're aligned with you here, Zach. They're aligned. Yeah. <laughs> pretty cool. Um, do we spend enough time, do you think, listening to our dogs, reading our dogs? Do we spend enough time listening to our dogs? Well, probably not. I mean, really, if we could just do it all the time, that would be wonderful. And it is true. Like you want to 
find several minutes a day at a minimum to really just connect with your dog, observe them and really understand their emotional state and how they're doing. Are they bored? Have they had enough exercise or all their needs met? Do they need to learn some new skills in order to make their life less monotonous and things like that? I guess it's case by case. Some people probably do and some probably probably don't, right? For sure. I really appreciate you being here. And uh, I know that our audience are going to absolutely love it. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you guys reaching out and everything. Hey, before you go, have you taken part in the worldwide Sexier Than a Squirrel Challenge? It's a 25-day online video program, huge energy, amazing community, and over 100,000 people are already taking part. The only question is, you know where you are today. Where do you want to be in 25 days from now? Head to absolutedogs.me forward slash sexy.